mighty fancy automobile. Oh, she's a real road king, all right. Zero to 60 in 7.5. She'll do a quarter of a mile, 13.40. 390 horsepower. 500 foot-pounds of torque. Whatever that is. Performance and image, that's what it's all about. There's no such thing as a stupid question. This is Drive Radio. All of your automotive questions are just one phone call away. 303-477-5600. Drive Radio is made possible by the member shops of Colorado Select Auto Care Centers. To find one near you, go to drive-radio.com. Now, Drive Radio on KLZ 560. All right, Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Myself, John Rush, and uh, Ken Rackley, Tech Automotive, with me today as well. He's out in the Aurora area, not too far from where we are here broadcasting at the station, just off of 225 and Parker Road as we are, and he's at 225 and Colfax, so just yep. around the corner a little bit here. So yep, not too far. Need something from Ken? Again, just look it up, drive-radio.com, or you can call Ken direct. Ken, what's your number? How do they get a hold of you? Yeah, give me a call at 303 364 3391. All right, and let's get rolling, folks. One line open, 303-477-5600. Bob and Parker, you're next. Hi, gentlemen. How are you? Good, Bob. How are you, sir? Doing good, thank you. Good. Um, I've got a question. So I have a 2001 2500 HD diesel. It's got over 200,000 miles on it. Several years ago, and it it also has the uh, Bosch injectors that were recalled right so when those were recalled i was beyond the warranty period on it i was beyond the mileage mm-hmm. uh, where they would uh replace them so basically you know it was smoking and i ran it until it uh until it died so okay. basically there's diesel there's diesel in the engine oil now okay so my question is is uh, in order to replace those injectors you got to take the entire engine apart because they're down on the bottom of the engine, it's going to run me anywhere from probably eight to ten grand. That's the estimates that I've got. Is that a better way to go than just, in, or, or is replacing the entire engine and that way uh, eliminating those two hundred and some odd thousand miles a better way to go than uh, replacing the injectors? Or it's, it's been sitting in pasture, so uh, the truck is in great shape. Nothing wrong with it, other than you know the injector issue. Well, doing first of all, you know, to back up, you don't have to do the entire engine to do those injectors. Right. Is it a big job? Yes, but the engine does not have to come out of the engine bay to do those injectors. So whoever's telling you that's not telling you the truth. Now, the concern would be how much fuel has washed down into the bearings and things that are, you know, that are on the underside, of course, you know, the internals of the engine, if you would, and has there been any damage done on that end of it? And the only way to know that would be to pull a bearing cap to look and see. And in that case, you have to pull the front axle to actually get the engine oil pan off. But again, engine doesn't need to come out to do that unless you so desire to. Doing a complete engine is almost, I don't want to say it's cost prohibitive, Bob, because I mean, nothing is as long as somebody wants to pay the money for it. But doing an engine in that will be 15K or better. Yeah. Uh, Replacing it with another engine would cost 15K. Or more. Yeah. Ah, ah, okay. Okay. Again, it gets it gets it gets cost prohibitive at that age of a vehicle. Although I say that, and yet that vehicle in really good, nice shape can bring anywhere from twenty-five to thirty grand, probably given what it is, if it's in really, really, really nice shape. 
Yeah, it is. Uh, and, and to be honest with you, I'm not interested in selling it. I, you know, I basically just want to be able to use it to, uh, you know, haul a trailer with. And, mm-hmm. Because it's just been a fan- it's been a fantastic vehicle. So when you say that you don't have to uh, take that engine out, my understanding was that you had to rip all the way down into it to, to get to those injectors. That's not actually the case, huh? A lot of stuff has to come off to get to them. I mean, the valve covers, all that stuff. Right. But, yeah. You don't not, take the heads or anything off the right. engine to do it. Yeah. So. Yeah. Wow. I don't know. Again, I don't know who's telling you all that because that's, that's not – that's not true. Yeah, and and the parts well, are expensive. And, they are, and everything that goes along with that. But um, they are. Although yeah. there are, you know, there are places out there that can either take your injectors and redo them. There's also injectors out there that are made. Uh, you know, I should say remanufactured. And there's some really good suppliers of injectors out there on that engine, by the way. And you can buy injectors as little as 150 to 200 bucks a pop. So it's not like they're you know cost prohibitive to do. And then there are. You know, there are, uh, how do I want to say it, uh, there, there's suppliers for those who I'm trying to get at. Let right. me say it the correct way. Yeah, exactly. Right, right. right. And any suggestions uh, from the standpoint of a, uh, uh, a mechanic shop that can do that kind of work? The only buddy we've got out in your area is going to be Extreme Auto Repair over in over in Parker in your area. I mean, can again, won't, that's just not in your wheelhouse to do. Right, yeah, we just don't do that. Just doesn't have that. I mean, you, right. you've got to have a you've got to have a diesel technician and the shop capacity size-wise to do those types of jobs, and not every one of our shops does, but but in Parker, Extreme can do those all day long. That's not a problem for them. All right, cool. I'll give them a call. All right, I appreciate it. Thank you very much. You're very welcome. Time. And if and if you need help on where to get injectors for that or if they do, you know, let me know. I can help you with that. Super. Appreciate it. Thank okay, Bob. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. But yeah, there's no. If I, I would at least check it. If if the engine's not bad, if the you know if the yeah. cylinders aren't aren't washed and the exactly. and the bearings are good, I'd put injectors in it and run it. Yeah, exactly. Randy, you're next. What's going on today, sir? Up in North Glen. Good afternoon. Uh, my question is, I've lost a vehicle due to a premature breakage of the timing belt before the mileage would indicate that it needed to be replaced. Okay. And I had to uh, replace the entire uh, engine in the car. My question is, I've got a 2014 Acura TL uh, with approximately 50,000 miles on it, which also uses a timing belt. And I'm wondering if it's possible or necessary to maybe get the timing belt uh, inspected um, prior to replacement um, just to possibly prevent what happened to, to my other car. You know, it, it's hard to inspect those. Uh, it's kind of hard to say what happened on the other car, too. Usually the belt is designed to last that long. Likely, I, I'm I'm going to guess what happened on the other one was maybe a bearing or something to that effect failed, causing the belt to break. I I, I don't know that, but uh, typically the belts are going to last, you know, at least 20% longer than their their recommended uh, replacement time frame. So, yeah, very hard to say. Uh, You know, and on the TL, I think they recommend those at 110,000 miles, if I remember right. Okay. Uh, So... And, you know, we really haven't seen any issues with the Honda product or anything like that, that, you know, the premature failure or anything like that. What was the other vehicle that it failed prematurely on? 
Honda Civic. Oh, it was a Honda also. Okay. okay. Uh, yeah. yeah. And was yeah. it on the second timing belt replacement or was it on the first one? Second. Second. Okay. So I would guess that more than likely a bearing had failed. Um, I'm just guessing that just because, you know, usually you don't see the belts fail like that. Okay. And then my other question is, what what, what is preferable to, to have an, an engine, a, a timing chain or a timing belt? Well, it's, it's just one of those things, whatever it's manufactured with is right. what you have. And, you know... There's no right or wrong either way. Right. It depends exactly. on how it's made. It's just, and, and by the way, even longevity. In some cases, there's a huge difference. In others, there's hardly any. Yeah. Depends on the unit. Yeah. The timing belts are, you know, they have a specific time where they they need to be replaced, where timing chains might last indefinitely. They might need to be changed at some point, too. Okay. And then second question. Thank, thank you for answering that. Sure. No, you're fine. Um, I use... Uh, in that actor, I used, you know, Costco top-tier gasoline okay. exclusively. And I'm wondering, with that in mind, do I still need to use, like, a BG44 uh, additive occasionally, or would that be redundant? Yes. No, you no. should use that twice a year. Yep. Twice a year? Yes. Yep. Could you tell me exactly, uh, other than the fuel injectors, what that uh, additive would do for me? Depending upon the engine, it will do some cleaning of the back of the valves, depending upon what the fuel spray in that is, is like. On, and again, it, this is engine-specific. On direct injections engines, they don't do a lot because there's no fuel spray going on to the back of the, of the, of the valve itself. So in that case, it's some combustion ch- you know, chamber uh, cleaning. And, of course, the fuel system oh, itself. Thank you for your time. You know, anyways, fuel, fuel, you know, the fuel system itself and all of that. So it really depends on the configuration of the engine yeah. as to what the 44K is doing. Is it worthwhile yeah. doing? Absolutely. Yes. Uh, Phil, you got a question on a used engine. We'll take that as soon as we come back. we got a couple lines open, 303-477-5600. We'll be right back. This is KLZ 560. At Napa Auto Parts, we've been the most trusted name in auto parts for over 80 years. Probably because we've never stopped looking for ways to make the great parts we sell even better. It's a commitment to quality you'll find in every one of our 310,000 parts. From the bacteria-killing surface on our cabin air filters, to the patented damping mechanism on our drive-align belt tensioners, to our revolutionary new Adaptive One brakes... And Napa parts are covered by a warranty that's good at any of our 6,000 Napa auto parts stores nationwide. Yeah, maybe you don't get this at your average auto parts store. But at Napa, we've spent the last 80 years making sure we were anything but average. To find the Napa auto parts store nearest you, go to NapaOnline.com. Napa, get the good stuff. With over 125 locations in Colorado, southern Wyoming, and western Nebraska, there's only one place to get the good stuff. Napa Auto Parts. The rebate program with American National Insurance saves everyone money by incentivizing responsible money management. Depending on the cost, customers of Paul Leuenberger will sometimes choose to pay out of pocket rather than making a claim because they'd rather receive the sizable rebate at the end of three years than pay their deductible now. As a result, American National Insurance tends to pay out fewer claims each year compared to the competition, which is in part what gives them an A credit rating. American National Insurance then passes along that benefit to their customers by keeping their rates as good or better than their competition. 
With other insurance companies, you'd need to purchase extra rider policies at additional cost in order to receive comparable coverage. But American National Insurance rewards personal responsibility. Call Paul Lewinberger now for more comprehensive home insurance coverage at remarkably reasonable rates. 303-662-0789. 303-662-0789. If your engine doesn't leak oil, but you have to add to it between oil changes, where does the oil go? The problem occurs when piston rings clog with carbon and then allow oil to blow by the pistons and burn in combustion chambers. The best service shops use a BG product BG. that cleans the engine in just 15 minutes. Find a shop with BG products at bgfindashop.com. That's bgfindashop.com. It will protect your engine and your pocketbook. Find a shop now. Go to bgfindashop.com. All right, Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Lines are open, 303-477-5600. A little over half hour of the show left. So if you got a call or a question for us that you need to call on, please do so. 303-477-5600. Phil and Centennial, you're next. Warren. Good morning. Good morning. How you doing, Phil? Good. But always good to hear from Warren and Wyoming. Yes, it is. <laughs> always. Agree. Yeah. And so Grease Monkey for AC work. No. Creep uh, monkey for an oil change? Maybe. No. no. <laughs> I say maybe just because it, it did have to be a dire straight situation yeah. for me. Might not find any other place able to. Uh, and even then, you'd have to really watch it. Yeah. So I'm calling on behalf of my neighbor because my curiosity has me up. They have a original owner, 2004 Nissan Frontier pickup truck with the V6. Broke down. They take it to a tire shop that does more than tires. They throw a distributor at it. doesn't fix anything. Um, they say 9000 for a new engine. So I looked at it yesterday. Yep, distributor is not turning. Cam sensor code. Find out they've never changed the timing belt after all this time. So, okay, I have a dumb question. If, if it's not turning, why did they put a distributor in it? I know. They should go back and get their money back. They should. This seems, this seems like an easy fix or an easy solution to what issue is an easy it's an easy uh, diagnosis now fixing it might be another issue and, 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 and i'm sorry what your vehicle again oh for a frontier. frontier and i don't and i don't know off the top of my head i'd have to look is that an interference engine or not i don't remember i think the Nissan's from what i've were. looked at it is it, yeah. would, it would i mean most are there's some rare yeah. occasions where ones aren't but typically they are and if that's the case then you know what that means so first of all nine thousand for a new engine is that that's not out of question. Cool. Right. That, okay. that would be a new engine. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's probably a reman unit. With and, all hoses. And yeah, I mean, by the time you go through it, there, it. And it's a little high, quite frankly, for that for that year. But That engine might cost quite a bit, too, Yeah, I was just going to say that's a V6 most yeah. likely, so they're not cheap. How available is it? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. So that that's probably not out of the question. And, I, and I'm, I, I forgot, Phil, I was trying to look up some things when you were telling me what it was. What mileage is on it? 125. I mean, the reality is the engine's probably still in pretty decent shape. I guess, you know, an easy, the easiest fix is pull heads, you know, get, get valves, you know, handled on it to where they're not bent anymore because that's what's wrong with it. You know, get, yeah. get straight valves in it, uh, do a head job on it essentially, put it back together, put a new timing belt in it, and away you go. 
Yeah. Any damage to the pistons, though? Usually not. Unlikely, yeah. The piston's stronger than the valve, so typically no. I mean, you've got to have a valve drop, get down on the cylinder, and have it whack the head to do any kind of piston damage, typically. Yeah. Okay, so they've already purchased another car looking at getting rid of this. He's looking online, 1500 for this in its condition. And this truck, I tell you, there's not a scratch or ding on it. Okay, so it's a, okay. Okay. Um, I mean, the way you got to look at that is, let's just say on the cheap side, you do a lot of this work yourself, you get the heads done, which isn't a big deal to do, but you know, you get the heads off, you get them redone, you get it all back together. I mean, somebody retail, you know, paying that money is going to have 3,500, four grand doing what I just said in it if they went and retailed it. So if you figure four grand, you pay another 1,500 bucks for the truck itself. Now you've got 5,500 in it. Is the truck worth 5,500 running is what you have to ask yourself. Probably is. Yeah, I looked online. Uh, I think they could get every bit of nine thousand. Yeah, it, it, I think if you could buy it for fifteen hundred and flip it, I think the nine might be a little. I don't know though. Right now, everything's bringing such <laughs> such high money right now, Phil. That I say that, and I, I, I dare say anything right now because you, you you don't know what something's going to sell for tomorrow right. because there's just nothing out there. So this is a different time that we're in right now. But at fifteen hundred, I mean, you could park the truck out and make your money back on that. So I don't think you're hurt at fifteen hundred. Yeah, I just, you know, they know nothing about cars, and I'm just kind of looking out for them. And this truck, I still think, has a lot of value, as is even needing a motor. So, Well, and I think, you know, the way you need to look at that is, you know, you personally, you know, buy it, fix it, sell it. If you Here's the other option you could do for them is, listen, say, you know what, tell you what we'll do. I'll, you make sure that everything's on the up and up, you know, kind of ride out an agreement so nobody gets hurt, but you fix it. Split the cost of the parts on fixing it, and then you guys somehow figure out how to split the profits at the end of the day, and away you go. You could also do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I know. I agree. There's uh, many ways to go with it. There that, is. So. You, you've yeah, got I lots just, and I lots of learned. options. And, and by the way, the last option is just ditching the truck and not doing anything with it. You've got lots of options. Yeah. But would you agree it's most likely a timing belt? Oh, if the, oh, the cam's yeah, not turning. Can's yeah. Not, yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. The distributor's not <laughs> turning, of course. Road, no distributor turning. Yeah, so. mm, right. yeah duh. Yeah. And... Yeah, bent valves, definitely. I mean, an easy an easy way to tell that is, you know, take the easiest side valve cover off and look. Yeah, exactly. Piece right. of cake. Yeah. Oh, there you go. Right? So I took off the oil cap, hoping to see some action going on. I couldn't see it. There's, there's a shield under there. there. There's yeah. a shield. Yeah, you have to pull yeah, the valve cover. Exactly. Yeah, it wouldn't be too big. No, to pull, right. pull the cover off and look at it and see. That's easy. At that point, you know exactly what's going yeah, on. Yeah, and I think, you know, those heads aren't too, well... I don't know. I mean, I don't at the end of the day, you're going to want to plane them, which there's guys in town that'll plane them all day there's long. So that's not an issue. That'll throw new valves in that's there. That's right. And, and, stuff like and that. or you do it yourself. There's I mean, again, they're not it's not hard to lap valves at 125,000 on a Nissan. Buy new valves and lap them in and call it good. Yeah, I think somebody's going to buy that truck who can replace the engine or do the work you're saying and turn around and make thousands. Of course they will. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. All sure. day long. All right. Thanks, guys. You're very okay. welcome, Phil. Thanks. Appreciate it. Great. By the way, great call. That's one of those examples where, in that world, even though that vehicle's that old, it's not dead in the water. Not yeah. not even not even yeah. close. So, right. uh, Dana Monument, you're next. Yes. I've got a quick question. I've got a vehicle with 44K in it, and it's going to be put up for the winter, pretty much, as a Corvette. Okay. And I'm wondering, 
can I put the supercharge in it, or should I just leave it with the 44K? I'd, I'd get the 44K out of it. I would not leave that sit over the winter unless you absolutely have to, because it is corrosive, and it can do some things you okay. really don't want it doing. So I would try to run that out of it, you know, take a nice long trip yep. this weekend, or, you know, whatever you need to do. Even if you got, you know, two-thirds of the fuel out of it, right. put some fresh fuel Delete in it, it in and then put some supercharge in it, you'd be okay. But I wouldn't leave a, a full load of, of 44K in it. Okay. Good. That's what I wanted to know. Thank okay. you very much. You betcha, Dan. Appreciate it. No, great question, by the way. And, and that's for all of you listening. Yes, if you're going to put a car away for winter, which some of you are looking at doing, I know it's not quite there yet. We're a few weeks off. But as we get closer and closer, you want to put it away with a full load of fuel, mm-hmm. and you don't want 44K in it. So you want to do full load of fuel and some supercharge, supercharge, but not 44K. And I've already given you guys a testimonial a couple of weeks ago on how supercharge works. My old 68 Buick that... I had back in high school that I bought back from the guy that I sold it to. I literally put that car away a couple of years ago, put supercharge in it, full tank of fuel. It sat up on the rack. I didn't touch it all last summer. Finally drove it the beginning of, well, July of this summer, actually kind of kind of mid-year this summer, and cranked it up. That thing had almost been two years since I'd driven it with supercharge Crazy. in it, and it fired right up. Supercharged no issues. amazing stuff. No There's, issues. You know, I had I had a snowblower, actually, that had been sitting for it, – it hadn't been sitting for more than a year, but the carburetor was completely plugged up, got no fuel through it whatsoever. So I put some supercharge in it, you know, probably, right. you know, just I didn't put much in it because right. it only holds yeah, a, don't need half much. a gallon right. or something. And uh, so I just put a little bit in it and I let it sit, and then I just kind of ran it through – Tried to get it running a little bit, and the first day, it would start and barely run. Second day, it would start and run a little bit better. Third day, it ran just fine. There so you go. It, no, stuff amazing. works, guys. And the it, stuff really does it, work. And it keeps that from happening That's right. the whole thing. Yeah. So. so if you're going to put a car away, use the supercharge. It's yeah. the best product I've found yet when you're going to store a car of, of literally yeah. anything that's out there, and I, and I mean that. It's not just because they're a sponsor. I would say that no matter what. Yeah. It's, it's the real deal. And so what I do anymore, too, because um, I remember we had a gas guy on here, and he mm-hmm. said about every uh, after 90 days, you know, fuel just really starts degrading quickly. So on my gas cans, I usually fill up four or five-gallon gas cans. I put yep. a third of that in each gallon or in each can before I fill it. That way it stays good. That way it stays yep. good for Great idea. a long time. Yeah. Dave and Thornton, you're next, sir. Yeah, I had a question on spark plug gap. I was doing the gap on my pickup truck. It's an OT GMC with a uh, eight-liter. Mm-hmm. And while I was out there, I just had a, a senior moment, and I couldn't remember what the gap should be. So I just went online on my phone, looked at it, ended up getting on a string. And these guys were talking about the same motor and everything else. And I think the gap should be right around 60. I was just going to, I couldn't remember. Top of my head, it was either going to be 45 or 60. I couldn't remember which. So if you found 60, then that would be correct. Yeah. So, uh, but they were saying, if you bring it down to 45, you'll make a little bit more horsepower. And no, that's incorrect. That's the opposite. Whoever's saying that doesn't know what they're talking about. Right. Okay. That just shows you how bad some of these forums can get, some of these guys that are on them. That The problem I've always had with forums, and, and there's some good forums, don't get me wrong. For, for those of you listening, if you find a really good forum and you even know some of the people that are on it personally and you know they're a real living body, great. I have no issues with those. But there's so many forums out there, Dave, where you, you, it could be a 12-year-old kid rewriting what he, <laughs> what he or she read someplace else that they just posted back up. I mean, anything out on the internet can be copied and pasted. So they could find a picture of a truck someplace and make it look like it's theirs and be posted all over the point. And the reality is, other than the moderator that's just checking for, you know, bad 
uh, would, you know, you know, how do I want to say bad language and things like that on some of the forums. The reality is these moderators don't know if that's a real person or not. They do a verification through email and what have you. And these kids today are smart enough to get through all that. You don't know the guy that you're talking to on a forum is even real. Yeah. Well, it's just one of those things, you know, everything on the internet is true. Okay? Yeah, yeah, sure it is. <laughs> right. Yeah, especially when it comes to automotive forums. I've really found that to be true. Now, I say all that to say this. Is there some good information sure. out there on some of these sites? Yes, there is. But I've also read through a lot of these myself. There's also a lot of crap on a lot of these sites that just flat out isn't true. And in this case, for everybody listening, the reason why we know this is not true. If you, if you shorten the gap... On a spark plug, you actually make the ignition charge smaller, is the best way for me to say that. Right. Not as hot. Your expansion of the combustion. The, is the expansion be of the arc makes it hotter. Right. So, it's for example, Dave. Larger the arc, yeah. Back in the day when, I'm literally going to show you my age here, but back in the day, you know, Buick dealership, and there were some GM cars back in the day that literally they would come to the altitude that we have here and they'd be carbureted. And they literally wouldn't run off the transport truck, and I'm not exaggerating. These guys would either have them flooded, or there'd be a problem, or whatever. It was cold outside, and these bloody things wouldn't even start coming off the transport truck. So the only way, or the best way to get that thing started, and the transport truck drivers would look at you like, what are you doing? And I'd like, pop, pop the hood. I mean, I'm, I'm 14 years of age, checking in cars, and I'd say, pop the hood. The transport guy would look at you kind of funny. You'd run out there to a Buick or truck or whatever it happened to be. You'd pull the HEI distributor cap uh, coil wire or, or, or the top ring. Back in those days, it was a ring. You'd unclip the ring, and you'd pull all the wires off about a half an inch from touching, Dave. And you'd say, okay, go in and fire it up. And the guy would go in there. He'd put his foot to the floor, and he'd fire right up. Why? Because I just made the spark that much hotter to get rid of the, rare, the, the, the basically the, the flood condition that was there. You'd burn all that off by making the spark plug hotter at that point. So what these guys are saying on the forum is the opposite of what's true. Yeah. 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 I, I, it's just like Austin said, I mean, they've got, they pay these engineers how many millions of dollars they put out so much into research and development. If that was the way they wanted it to run, they would in the owner's manual. And trust me, if these guys thought they could have gotten more power out of that engine and even more fuel economy out of that 8.1 by putting a 45, uh, you know, 45 gap spark plug in it to begin with, they would have. But that didn't work what was best for the vehicle. So, of course, they didn't. Right. Yep. Yep. Okay. Cool. Hey, uh, on, on that same point, though, just getting a little bit of education here. Were you to do that, what would be the long term effects of running an engine incorrectly? Like, with wrong gap or with wrong timing or, you know, that kind of stuff. Oh, great, and great question, Dave. Yeah. So, like, on that Buick, I was just explaining back in the, you know, 80s when those things would happen. You know, you couldn't run it that way forever because now what you've done is you've made the spark, the spark hotter, which then can also give you a lean condition in certain situations, which a lean condition can then burn up the inside of the engine, which I know people – you listen to that and you think, wait a minute, how can that be? Lean condition would, well, they burn valves and do other things if things get too lean. Right. So, again, you don't want to go to one extreme or the other because of the things you said a moment ago, Dave. You're also taxing the coil yeah, more that's right. as well as um, the well, on those old Everything. distributors. All the, the ignition. The rotors, you get one bad spark plug wire, it'll pop burn a the rotor. the rotor. Through. That's right. Yeah. So everything's so taxed when you do that. Yeah. So you, you just wouldn't, you couldn't run. I mean, you'd get it running and you'd, you'd reach over there with your hammer or your fist and you'd pop the thing right back down while it was still running running and you'd go pull it around and make sure it was good and clean and ready to go and off you went but that was very common back in that day yeah 
And even to this day, you can find a you get a small engine, Dave, that won't run, for example. And this is just a trick for everybody else out there listening. You get a lawnmower that doesn't want to start or your snowblower doesn't want to start in the middle of winter because things are just super cold and maybe you didn't do everything you needed to you know, prior to getting it fired up. A quick way to get a nice hot spark to get things fired up is pull the plug wire back just a little bit off the spark plug and that, that, extra, that extra jump there will give you a hotter spark and help that thing get started. Yep. Interesting. Oh, hey, hey, another quick question. Sure. On my, on, uh, just generally, I've got 185,000 miles on that truck. Everything's running fine. I just love the truck. Don't plan on getting rid of it. But um, with age, when do you know your injectors are going bad? On and that with, truck? With, with, uh, you'll know. Is there any kind of... Uh, that, that's got the spider thing? system, the Vortex spider system. Uh, on it, I believe, and you'll you'll know because it won't run. Right. Yeah. It'll... Okay. Oh. That that one's got a completely different type of injection system than than most any other car. Well, literally than any other car ever had or probably ever will have. Am I saying that right, Ken? Yeah. Yeah. Because exactly. it was a very unique system GM built for those engines. Right. Yep. Exactly. It was it was not like anything else that you see on the market. Okay. All right. And in yeah, and in turn, there's really nothing preventative where you're going to just put an injector in to put an injector in it's it's not even that it's an assembly that you right. have to install anyways Replace the whole thing and usually they'll 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 flood one way or they'll run really poorly and just go through a lot of fuel black smoke and everything or you'll have one cylinder or two cylinders that'll just drop out completely right okay cool, cool. and the smaller <laughs> engines not that one but the smaller engines the four threes they'd hydrolock they'd leak so bad <laughs> yeah where they would sometimes they sometimes the engine would sometimes they you know customers would shove a, a rod right through the side of the block because they'd hydrolock mm-hmm. yeah yeah i was just uh, trying to get to some kind of preventative care just because like i said I, I like the engine i like the truck yeah there's, there's, i'm just totally happy with it and uh, i just can't see even if i were able to find another truck i don't think i could be able to find one I, right now with everything that's going yeah, on. Yeah, I don't know that I can. Yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, and run a 44K yeah, I, through those. That helps, you know, keep those injectors yeah. working as long as they can. Okay, cool. Right, on total separate subject, I mean, it is automotive related, maybe a little bit of politics. Is there any truth to why uh, all these vehicle manufacturers are having trouble getting chips? Is it actually because of supply line issue, or is it because we no longer have access to those rare earths that China has no, I don't think it's a it's it's a supply line issue. It's it, it, it there's several. Things. I'm glad you asked. And in fact, this is a this is a big enough subject that I really was going to talk about today, anyways. Um, Dave, I'm going to put you on hold. Hang tight. We'll come right back. I'll take you, Aaron and Golden, Larry and Lama. Don't go anywhere. We'll take your calls as well. But this is a good subject. I think it'll explain a lot to folks when we come back. So, Dave, hang tight. I'll answer that when I come back. And uh, th- we'll be right back. This is Drive Radio KLZ 560. Home values are rising eight, ten, and thirteen percent in some areas. Trying to buy it but keep missing? Take AIM to show you how to make sure you're at the top of the list. Don't think you have the money to cover appraisal gaps? Let us show you options. Take AIM, 720-895-0500. Locally owned and operated since 2001. We know how to help. Rates will continue to stay low. Values will continue to increase. Take AIM, 720-895-0500. Many have refinanced out of their 30-year mortgage and now have rates in the twos. Lower payment, shorter term, and they're saving thousands. Are you paying more than 3% on your debt? Convert those to a low rate and keep more of your money. 720-895-0500. Self-employed and been told you don't qualify? Nonsense. There are many options. Talk to us and see why we've been helping those self-employed for years. 
What customer service is unmatched in Colorado? Take AIM, 720-895-0500, where it's all about you. NMLS 298-191. At Napa Auto Parts, we've been the most trusted name in auto parts for over 80 years. Probably because we've never stopped looking for ways to make the great parts we sell even better. It's a commitment to quality you'll find in every one of our 310,000 parts. From the bacteria-killing surface on our cabin air filters to the patented damping mechanism on our driveline belt tensioners to our revolutionary new Adaptive One brakes. And Napa parts are covered by a warranty that's good at any of our 6,000 Napa auto parts stores nationwide. Yeah, maybe you don't get this at your average auto parts store. But at Napa, we've spent the last 80 years making sure we were anything but average. To find the Napa auto parts store nearest you, go to NapaOnline.com. Napa, get the good stuff. With over 125 locations in Colorado, southern Wyoming, and western Nebraska, there's only one place to get the good stuff. Napa Auto Parts. JC's 4x4 has been Denver's premier Land Rover independent service facility since 2005. With all of today's latest off-road technology, JC's British and 4x4 is a Land Rover specialty shop. Not only do they service, but they will also outfit and restore your vehicle. The dedicated staff and attention to detail make JC's British your one-stop shop for your Land Rover or 4x4 adventures. JC's British and 4x4 is committed to quality and excellence, whether taking your kids to school or hitting the back roads for adventure. No matter what road you own from the newest Discovery and Range Rover to an older Defender or Series truck. We can help you maintain, repair, or modify your vehicle. When you're tired of paying dealer prices and only given limited options, call JC's British and 4x4 to service and customize your Land Rover or 4x4. Call JC's British and 4x4 right now at 720-586-4756. That's 720-586-4756. Or go to jcbritish.com. Absolute Electrical Heating and Air listens to their customers. After every AC installation, the customer service team at Absolute calls the homeowners to thank them for their patronage. During the phone call, they also ask about the customer's experience with Absolute. The leadership team at Absolute takes customer feedback seriously, implementing company-wide changes based on the responses they receive. Just in the past couple of months, Absolute has hired their first team of boiler techs based on customer demand, so they may serve homeowners with non-traditional heating systems this winter. Normally, HVAC companies have a hard time finding boiler techs because boilers require a very specific skill set. Fortunately for Absolute, techs want to work for a company that listens. Thanks to their 800 Google reviews, averaging 4.9 stars out of 5, Absolute attracts some of the most experienced talent in the industry. Call the team that listens, 720-526-0231. For quality and service beyond compare, call Absolute Electrical Heating and Air. Your next oil change could change the life of your vehicle forever. If you think that's a tall order, maybe you've been getting the wrong oil change. A BG Performance Oil Change BG. comes with a lifetime of engine and fuel system coverage and something else, peace of mind. Where do you find it? Find a shop in your neighborhood at bgfindashop.com. That's bgfindashop.com. Because an oil change that offers a lifetime of peace of mind is a change worth making. BG.
All right, we're back. Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Myself, Ken Rackley, Dave and Thornton. Dave, I also want to make sure I, I correct myself, too. We did some looking during the break, and you do have just the regular eight single injectors with the fuel rails that feed each, and you could do with a Tech 2, a you know, factory GM tool, you can do a power balance of those and kind of know ahead of time if you end up with any issues on injectors or what have you. But, again, you'll know if you've got an issue with one prior to that. So it's not the spider-type injectors like some of those had or other – engines that GM had at the time, that is a regular injected configuration engine. So that's actually, which I should have known because the eight ones were different from a lot of the others. Um, back to the chip question. So I did some reading even this past week, and really what's happened, Dave, on the chip shortage out there for vehicles, and, and let everybody know that there's a lot of facets to this. There's not just any one individual answer, but a lot of it, Dave, it's not an issue with rare earth metals. It's not an issue of, I think, even at this point, getting them manufactured. I tell you, really what's happening right now is the the chip makers, in a lot of ways, are trying to force the automotive industry to come into the new century, if you would. They are still using technology in those chips that's probably 20 years old or so, and the chip manufacturers are trying to get them to come into the you know, the current era of chips. The problem is there's some resistance on the part of the automakers because of cost, because every time they do a new chip, there's a lot more testing and things they have to go through, especially if it involves a safety item on the vehicle. So say, for example, we're talking about the chip that controls the airbags. They now have to go through all the testing and all of these certifications, if you would, quote unquote, for said chip to make sure that it meets all of the stringent requirements of temperature changes, vibration, all the things that are impacted by doing that. But yet the chip manufacturers want them to come into the new generation of chips, if you would. And there's resistance from the automakers because of what I just said. So not only do we have a shortage on the supply line itself, Dave, we've got some internal, quote unquote, fighting, if you would, as to how do we get the automakers to come into the new the, the new era of chips. Does that make sense? Yeah. Yeah. And on that point, I would think that they would come into some kind of partnership where they would say, all right, you know what, we'll split the research and development costs with you just to show you that this new chip is going to be better and I think run. there's some of that even being being talked about right now with Intel to where they could even make some plants here in the U.S. and then, you know, work through some of what you just said. And there's even companies like Intel that have said, listen, we'll, you know, we can manufacture a chip that will be as robust as needed. Uh, you know, we're going to have to have some time and some some resources to make this happen again. And I've said this before, even on my daily program, this is an area that the automakers really have have gotten fat and lazy over. They've gotten behind. They've continued to add chips. They've used a CAN bus system. So the way they got around redesigning chips back in the day is they went to the CAN bus system, which is like a mini network in your car, like what you'd have in your home or your office where there's sort of a, a, a server computer, if you would, and all the other little computers, the nodes are talking back to the main server. The same thing is happening on your car. And they did that, in my opinion, to avoid having to do a revamp of even the chips back in the day. They could make multiple little chips cheaper than they could revamp the main ECU unit in the car. And in turn, they didn't. And frankly, Dave, they're now caught with their pants down. I'm being honest. Okay. It just seems kind of odd. I'm mean, timing with everything. With COVID. Well, and you know, I think some of this, it's frankly, probably yeah. would have come about anyways, but COVID forced it. Yeah. Okay. okay. That's my so opinion. It was a long time coming. It, it just, COVID just pushed it up. You're, you're right. That's yeah. exactly right. Correct. Yep. All right, cool. A great well, question. And, and Dave, thanks for calling. I wanted to get that answer, too, because it's something I want to talk about today that I read this past week, because most people are blaming this on all of the wrong things. And frankly, 
really, if you want to go blame somebody, blame the automakers themselves. They're the ones that put them put themselves in this position. Frankly, it's really no one else to blame here but them. And these guys are famous, by the way, for doing some of these things because they get fat and happy, keep using the same product over and over and over and over again, i.e. Takata airbags, and wonder why they're in trouble every time they do so. Just my own two cents. Larry and Longmont, you're next, sir. Hey, how are you? Good, sir. I've got a, I've got a, an 03 Toyota Highlander um, V6 Limited all-wheel drive. Uh, 183,000 miles on it. It's been a great little car. It runs like a champ, passes emissions, doesn't burn any oil. But I have looked everywhere I can think of under the hood and such about when the timing belt was replaced. I bought this thing four years ago, okay. and, it, and I see nothing under there. And uh, the owner's manual calls for replacement at 60,000 miles. I don't know what the hell to do. Do it. You know? Uh, that, 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 that one's an uh, easy answer. If you don't know, do it. Yeah, you have no choice. Yeah. All right. What, what do you think that that will cost? I mean, this is Larry. Think of it like this. This is like I have no idea when the oil was changed. I can look at the oil, know it's full, know it's there, but I have no idea how long it's been in there unless I do an oil analysis, which they don't do anything like that for a timing belt. So you have no idea on that. Right. In, in the case of an oil, an oil change, the way you do it is you start from square one, you change it, and you're fresh, and away you go. You're in the same boat on the timing belt. It's no different. Yep. Right. Yeah. All right, there's no inspection ports or anything like that. There is that. not. And even if there were, you, yeah. a timing belt today, in today's world, you can look at and, and you literally, as a technician, Ken knows this, you could look at it and say, yeah, that looks great. And a week later, it's bad. Yeah, right. You cannot tell by looking when they're going to fail. Right. Yeah. And I'm not exaggerating in what I, I just said there. It, you, and if you get a technician that says otherwise, they're lying. I mean, I'm being yeah. honest. You know, I mean, you can you can inspect them and see if there's obvious cracks, but then I mean that's, but they don't have to have obvious cracks to break. They do not. Yeah, that's exactly mean, they, right. Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why that's and why yeah, the manufacturers give you a mileage to go off of that you yeah. essentially mileage and or age. You know, we we've always said now that typically it's even a ten year mark. So some vehicles won't even get the sixty or eighty k in that ten years on it because people don't drive them enough. Well, even at the ten year mark, you still change them. Right. Right, they got you. Any idea what what kind of cost I'm looking at for that? That I don't know. I'm not sure on that. Typically, you're a thousand plus or minus. You know, typically. Yeah. 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 All right. All right. Well, thanks. You bet. No, Larry, I appreciate it very much. And that's for all of you listening. If you buy a used car and you don't know the history of something, that's why we recommend usually on a used car that, that people buy. You know, put all fresh oil in all the boxes at least. At least you can start there and know that you've got a starting point on everything that you now own. And in this case, even timing belt. If you don't know when it's been done, get it done, start fresh. You know from that point forward on the vehicle everything it needs, and you're, you're, you're done. You're good at that point. Aaron and Golden, you're next. Yeah, quick question on a 2006 Ford 6-liter uh, uh, power stroke. Uh, what, uh, what would you recommend for a water pump? Uh you mean time wise or uh, just brand brand, brand wise? I, yeah, like I'd buy a Navistar. I, yeah, uh, motor no Navistar. Okay, yeah. sorry, we had this conversation. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny off air. Uh, Ken and I had this had this conversation uh, at top of the hour here. Uh, you know, not the not the not the second hour, but the first hour we had the yeah. same conversation. And yeah, in that particular okay. case, on that vehicle, I'd buy a Navistar. Yep. Okay. Does the Navistar unit does it have the plastic uh, impeller or is it a metal impeller or? I've not replaced one for a while, so that one I can't tell you. Okay. 
and, and honestly, it doesn't. Ma it, frankly, the, doesn't make any difference. The original equipment yeah. is probably plastic or aluminum. There's probably plastic. aluminum. There's but no don't. Add, I don't know. Don't. I, I haven't changed one in a long time, so I don't know that for sure. The OEM one, some uh, some type of plastic uh, composite. Oh, okay. Yeah. And uh, yeah, and the the OEMs for whatever reason, water pump wise, a lot of the aftermarket just don't have it. I mean, I just we see seals leak and things like that. That's yep. what got us on that conversation. Right. And, when I, and by the way, when I say Navistar, you can buy the Motocraft, Motocraft pump, which yeah. is also a nav. It's the nav. Yeah. You get where I'm going there. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Motor, Motocraft or and yeah. Sometimes the international will have better parts than Motocraft will. Be. And and from looking at a picture of a Motocraft, yeah, it looks like it's got a plastic vein pump. You can upgrade that. Yeah. There are companies like Bulletproof Diesel that will do a high end, you know, three hundred and fifty, four hundred dollar water pump with a you know, a machined yeah. impeller if you want to go that route. Uh, for a well, stock I was, engine, I, I just don't looking, think you need to. Well, I was looking at that, and, you know, I, it's relatively stock, and I'm just looking for longevity. Yeah. You don't you don't, you don't, don't need to use the bulletproof and, one. And those didn't yeah. really have a problem with no. coming apart. No, there's no cooling stuff, issues. So, yeah. No, they, no, they, yeah, yeah, they did not have that issue. The only time I think you'd you know, maybe look at doing a bulletproof is if a guy's done heads and you do the studs and you do a bigger turbo and you've changed the inner, you know, you get the thing really hopped up. It hot. Yeah, you but may yeah, want to do something so, different, yeah. but... And, and by the way, it's a great engine. All, everything I just said can be done to those. It makes them really, it does make them a really good, strong, one of the strongest diesel engines when it's all said and done. Unfortunately, they weren't that way yeah. to begin with. Well, this one, I just got redone building it, uh, rebuilding it completely, and I got I have about uh, 8,000 miles on the rebuild so far, and everything's working well. So, and the water I, pump leaking, or what's going on with it? No, it was. Uh, I had replaced it before I had to rebuild the engine, and I just swapped uh, it back in when I put it together. I see. Because I didn't want to spend yep. any more money than Makes I sense. had to at the time. <laughs> no, I hear you. Makes till, sense. Until I was sure the engine was going to hold together for me. So sure, sure. Now it's like I got enough miles on it now that... If yep. it was going to come apart, it would have done it by now. So. I think you're right. No, I and, and I think you're on the right track. And, yeah, again, if it were me, I would just use the Motocraft pump. Or, or if you can find an app, you can buy a Navistar, too. Whatever you can find that's that's cheaper and okay. and, and easily to, to find, either one, it's the same same pump at same that point. Pump, yeah. Right. Yeah, okay. I, I wasn't sure if the new new one from Napa was sufficient or if I should just I, On those particular on engines, Napa. and it's yep. nothing against Napa or their pumps or anything along those lines, but on those particular engines – I would put the factory pump on it. Yep. Okay. That, that that's where I was leaning. That or the bulletproof. But I didn't want to, really want to spend. I don't think you need to spend four hundred bucks on a water pump. That's my opinion. <laughs> right. Yep. Okay. Okay. Good. Appreciate your input, Aaron. I appreciate it very much. Thanks for the phone call. And all right, we'll take a quick break. We got one more segment coming back. We got time for a few more calls. Three zero three four seven seven fifty six hundred. This is Drive Radio KLZ five sixty. At Napa, we're always trying to make the great parts we sell even better. From the bacteria-killing surface on our cabin air filters to our revolutionary new Adaptive One brakes. And every Napa part is covered by a warranty good at any of our 6,000 Napa Auto Parts stores. Yeah, maybe you don't get this at your average auto parts store, but we've spent the last 80 years making sure we were anything but average. Go to NapaOnline.com for a location nearest you. Napa. Get the good stuff. You listen to Drive Radio because you have a lot of questions about your car. You have questions about what kind of oil to use, what the best tires are, where to get the best parts. But have you ever asked what will happen to your car after you die? Did you know that if you don't have a will that specifically states what will happen, a probate judge will order your family to split your car evenly? 
And because you can't cut up a car into pieces, your family will be forced to sell it and just split the money. According to Michael Bailey, the mobile estate planner, it is estimated that two out of three people don't have a proper will in place, and oftentimes things like your favorite classic car are accidentally forgotten completely. Michael understands that the only way to be absolutely certain that all of your final wishes will be honored is to take a small amount of time to talk about it. 720-394-6887. 720-394-6887. Call Michael Bailey, the mobile estate planner, right now to set up a free consultation and make absolutely sure that you don't leave anything to chance. Few things are life-changing. Your wedding day, the birth of a child, an oil change. Wait, what? Yes, an oil change can change your life if it comes with a peace of mind that if your engine, including the fuel system, fails, you're covered for life. The BG Performance Oil Change comes with free lifetime protection for your engine and fuel system. Find a shop near you at BGFindAShop.com. That's BGFindAShop.com. BG. Modern windshields help protect the occupants of your vehicle in the event of a collision, so quality counts. In today's vehicles, your windshield has become a structural component of your car. The glass requires a specific amount of pressure to keep your windshield from literally popping out during impact. Even the quality of the resin that glues your windshield to your frame can make a difference. Since they invented windshield repair in 1972, Novus Auto Glass has continued to perfect their technique. Unlike most of their competitors, Novus can repair cracks up to a foot long without sacrificing the integrity of your windshield. Industry-wide delays in the supply chain have forced manufacturers to limit the quantity of glass they sell to individual shops, so you may need to wait longer for a new windshield. The sooner you contact Novus Auto Glass, the better chance you have at saving money with a repair. Contact a Novus location near you at klzradio.com forward slash glass. All right, Drive Radio, KLZ 560. Thanks for joining us. Myself, Ken Rackley, Tune Tech Automotive in Aurora, who is, again, just off of 225 and Colfax, a little bit east of 225 on Colfax. And David in Denver is next, sir. David, welcome. How are you? Good. Um, I had called a couple of weeks, a uh, while back, about an ASR light, and um, I was going to do the brake light switch uh, first, and um, I figured I'd just start it up and see... Uh, you know, and then it just went back, no uh, ASR light, and then it went back to... Uh, so I was wondering, could that be like an intermittent, and then it'll fail sure. eventually, or... No, it, yeah, it very very much could be that, and, and those are typically brake light switches in most all cars. I don't care how high-end even a car is, are plastic. They've got, you know, contacts inside of them. That stuff can expand, contract. All sorts of things can happen with the different heat that we have, and yes, that that's, does not surprise me at all, David. Okay, I'll just go ahead and put it in then. I was just making sure. All right, thank you. You're very welcome. I appreciate it, David. Thanks so much for the phone call. And all right, I've got a couple of minutes here. I'll go back to the, the chip conversation that we had earlier as well. And again, folks, I really am, I'm one where I feel like the manufacturers, the auto manufacturers, is there fault here on the chip side of the fence? They're just the vendors supplying chips that are made on a particular specification that the automakers request through an RFP, a request for proposal. So the reality is uh, these chip makers are only doing what the manufacturers are requiring. And I don't think I'm far off, and Ken can join in here, but I don't think I'm far off, Ken, in saying that the 
the automakers years ago when they went to the CAN bus system, and I'm not saying that wasn't the right direction for them to go, but to me, that was a a stopgap probably in, in allowing them to control more versus what they could do out of just the regular ECU itself because they needed more capacity. The CAN bus gave them that without revamping the total ECU at the time. Am I right in saying it that way? Yeah, I would say so. Well, and two, you had a lot more uh, systems coming in to it, too. Right. Whether with your traction control. your More modules. Everything. Right, more modules. More yeah. chips. Exactly, yeah. So exactly. the module's a chip, everybody. Yeah. So for those of you that, when we say body control module, there's a computer chip and a board, a circuit board, inside of that module that's controlling X things that are pre-programmed into it. And, and I will give the automakers some slack in that building a chip to work in an automobile where lives are at risk and they know that every single time something happens, that item has to function. So whether that be a, a brake light or an airbag going off, I mean, in, in any, any of those cases, they know that there are lives at risk and those things have to function, whether it's 40 below in the middle of the, of the you know, upper end of Canada right. or, or Alaska for that matter, or it's 120 degrees in Arizona. Right. Exactly. They, they, they've got to make that thing function at both ends of that spectrum. And quite frankly, most other manufacturers don't have to. Let me give you an example. All of you that have smartphones, if you leave your smartphone in the sun, <laughs> I don't care where it is, uh -huh. dash of the car in the sun, it's when it gets down. to a certain temperature, guess what? Yeah. It shuts off. Yep. It exactly. just says, I'm done, cool me off, I'll come back on when you do. That's right. Your car can't do that, folks. Right. Your car has to have the ability to continue to function, whether it's 150 out inside the, you know, even, even inside temperatures get much higher than that, by yeah, the way, right. uh -huh. which is where some of the ECMs are stored and a lot of the modules are. Yeah. So they've got to function in temperatures of probably 150 to 180 degrees on the inside, all the way down to 40 below or more. Right, exactly. And they got to reach that entire spectrum. Oh, and by the way, we're going to now drive down the road with this. Yeah, we're going to have vibration. We're going to have... We're going to shake the heck out of it all at the same time. <laughs> exactly. We're going to have harmonics going through it. We're going to have all yeah. sorts of things happening uh -huh. to this particular circuit board and chip that's on it, which, quite frankly, again, phones, computers, laptops, those items don't have to go through that type of environment. Well, just think of your desktop. Every time you would start it up, how many times did you have to restart it because it didn't Correct. come on, back online? Correct. Your car is pretty you, reliable in that. In so, uh, so again, yeah. that's where I'll cut the automakers some slack, but where I won't cut them some slack is they are famous. And I've been, I've been in this industry since I was a little kid. So since the mid-70s, I've been around this, this world. And I will also not give them slack when it comes to when they get used to doing something one way, They'll do that thing until they go to the grave with it. Until they're forced to Until they're change. forced to do something else, they yeah. will continue to do that. And, and unfortunately for them, it's not always, quote-unquote, market forces that make them do that. There are other things that make them, you know, that are force them basically to do these things. And I do think that back in the day, they did the CAN bus because it was easy, it was cheap, they already had modules designed, they could probably retrofit some of those to make them do multiple things. They could take one chip, for example, for a body control module and have it go and do the same thing over and over again yeah. throughout the car, just in a different aspect. And it worked well. And it worked, it worked and, it, yeah. and it was already robust and ready to go. So th they did all of that. Now we're at a crossroads in the automotive industry where really I think what's going on right now behind the scenes are, what are we gonna do next? 
because we're probably not going to have to have the rest of the chips we've always had available to us. We've got to now sit down, revamp, and figure out what we're going to do moving forward because we're not going to have that same capacity. They're just not going to make them is what's going to happen moving forward. Yeah. So we are at a crossroads in the automotive world. I predicted, and I ended up being right, and I will say this right now, we're going to be at about half the production that we've been in automobiles in 2021, despite what the press and everybody else told you would happen. I just got, I read that this past week, where we're going to be off about 8 million units this year. 8 million. We, we usually produce and sell in the U.S. 17 million. Do the math. I wasn't far off, folks. Yeah. So, again, we'll come back next week. There's more to come on all of this and many other topics. Anything that you guys come up with during the week that you need questions on, feel free to text us, 307-200-8222, or go to the website. You can find Ken Rackley there at ToonTech as well. I just gave you all his information a moment ago. But, hey, we're going to get out of here. Enjoy the rest of your afternoon weekend. We'll be back on Monday for Rush to Reason. Ken, as always, thanks. Always good to Appreciate it. Luke, yep. thanks for Always filling in for here. Charlie and Larry Unger. Larry's not anymore Larry's Automotive and Trans, but it's just Larry Unger. So we'll be <laughs> back next week, though. Guys, have, enjoy the rest of your, your weekend. Uh, Sportsman of Colorado is next right here on KLZ 560. Still haven't had enough? Go to drive-radio.com. Email your questions and comments. Download previous programs and find lots of useful information, including your nearest Colorado Select Auto Care Center. That's drive-radio.com. Thanks for listening to Drive Radio, sponsored by the member shops of Colorado Select Auto Care Centers on KLZ 560.